Hey everyone, this is Jamie Bateman. Real quickly, I wanted to share with you something uh, that's been pivotal in the growth and success of my businesses, and that is my partnership with Haven Financial Services. Um, I've been working with Haven for over a year now. Christine Valdez was on episode 70 of this podcast. So go check that out if you want to hear her story. It was a fantastic personal story for sure. But Haven has been awesome. They provide me with monthly reports that are super clear and discernible. And it, that provides me with clarity and focus so that I can do what I do best, which is running my businesses, not preparing financial reports. Um, again, if you're in the market for a top-notch financial service company, uh, or if you just want to check one out, go to www.jamiebateman slash Haven and check out Haven Financial Services. Again, that's jamiebateman slash Haven. I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. Hey, everyone. This is Jamie. You are in for a treat today. We have back on the show with us, Kevin Dahlstrom. Kevin was on the show before. I highly recommend you listen to that first episode with Kevin. On that one, we, we dove a lot into his backstory and a lot of the adversity he faced growing up and, and some health challenges he's been through and his midlife crisis that he faced and how he navigated all of that. In this one, we really dive more into a lot of the, the businesses that he's started and exited from. We walk through four different startups that he's had, and he just he shares so much wisdom along the way. Um, he's only about five years older than I am, and I just feel like he's got like 30 years more worth of knowledge than I do, to be honest. Um, he just spews wisdom. He's a very, very intentional guy. And he just has a fantastic life. I mean, he he admits that. He loves what he does every day. He wakes up and just enjoys life. But it's not been easy all the time to get here. He's, he's enjoying the fruits of his labor and his intentionality and the compounding effect of a lot of his, the things he's done over the years, a lot of his habits. In, in today's episode, we dive into the four different exits Kevin has had with companies. And so we start back in his mid-20s and then he's we finish up with Swell, which is his most recent exit. So we we dive into his first one, which was a $15 million startup, which was a big failure. And we talk a lot about how he responded to that and how his response played a pivotal role in, in, in the trajectory of his financial future in his career and just kind of navigating the mental side of the ups and downs of entrepreneurship along the way. Um, talk a lot about community and partnership and teamwork and how he's someone who has strong ideas loosely held. There's so much more to unpack that I can't do uh, justice here in this intro. You're just going to have to press, keep listening. This one's fantastic. Welcome to the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. Are you an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur? Then this show is for you. Each week, we bring you impactful stories of real people who have overcome painful human adversity to create a life of abundance. A life of abundance. You are not alone in your struggle. Join us and you will experience the power of true stories and gain practical knowledge from founders who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth. 
This podcast will encourage you through your health, relationship, and financial challenges so you can become the hero in your quest for freedom. Take ownership of the life you are destined to live. Turn your adversity into abundance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Bateman, and I'm super pumped today to have with us Kevin Dahlstrom. Kevin is uh, actually our second uh, return guest on the show, so I'm, I'm thrilled to have Kevin. Kevin, how are you doing today? Doing good. Hey, Jamie. Uh, excited to chat. Enjoyed our last chat a few months ago and ready to go again. Yeah, yeah and for for the listener out there, we're not going to go too far into Kevin's backstory, but I highly, highly, highly recommend you listen to the first episode we did with with Kevin, which I, I think Kevin, you 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 said uh, out on the Twittersphere somewhere that the, that was the most comprehensive, uh, I guess, rendition or story uh, tell version of your 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 history that's out there. Is that fair to say? Yeah, we went deep. I mean, look, we're all a product of our upbringing, so it was fun to talk about sort of my upbringing and how it influenced who I am today. So yeah. Yeah, I listened to that episode if you haven't, folks. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I failed to say Kevin is a serial entrepreneur, founder, and and a very good rock climber as well. And we may touch on that a little bit, <laughs> but but uh, definitely listen to that the first episode. We we went deep, as you say, Kevin. We talked um, about some your your upbringing and some uh, um, you know re- maybe relationship challenges and also some health struggles that I know you had as well. Um, and then we we got up to, you know, uh, we talked a lot about your quote unquote midlife crisis where you left uh, Texas and moved to Colorado. And not only that, quit your job, turned down uh, a lot of money uh, and, um, you know, and, and really changed things in, in your entire life as far as, you know, all kinds of things. Um, yeah. 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 No. Um yeah, I mean, look the, the 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 quick summary of my background for folks who who haven't listened yeah. to that last episode. So I was born and raised in Texas, had most of my career in Texas, and um, you know I um, came from a pretty pretty tough upbringing, and uh, what that left me with was just a huge desire to 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 have something different. And so I was the classic, you know, kind of put my head down and and you know uh, you know grind and uh, worked my way up the corporate ladder. And what ultimately happened, you know, made it all the way to my 40s and ultimately realized I had built a life that looked really great on paper, you know, like big house in the suburbs, beautiful family, you know, job, you know, seven figure job, whatever. But uh, it wasn't me. I was playing the role of some other guy who wasn't me. And so I did something that I think very few people do, but more people should do, which is I pulled the plug, I sort of rebooted everything moved my family to Boulder, Colorado, which is where I live now. Rock climbing, as you mentioned, played a huge role. I'm, I'm, I, I like to be outdoors. And so Boulder is heaven on earth. It's like a, an adult playground if you're into the outdoors. Uh, that was five years ago. And, you know, from a career standpoint, I think one, you know, if, if there's any claim to fame that I have, it's, it's that I've, I've had a unique career in the sense that I've always had one foot in two worlds. So I am a, a multiple time founder with multiple exits. Uh, I've founded four companies and I joke I've hit for the cycle. Like I've had everything from <laughs> spectacular strikeouts all the way through one company went went public. But I've also, um, through that process, ended up working for a couple of big public companies as the chief marketing officer. And um, and so I have experience on on sort of both sides 
Uh, and it's, it's actually interesting how, how, you know, how each informs the other. You learn different lessons when you're, you know, working for a big organization versus, you know, starting in, in the proverbial garage in a startup. So uh, yeah. that's kind of the quick synopsis. I, I, I have um, my wife and I have been married for 26 years. I have two uh, daughters, 16 and 18 years old, about to lose my first daughter to college. She's headed to New York uh, exactly one month from now. Okay. Um, so I'm kind of at nice. that. I'm at an interesting stage of of life. Oh, and by the way, I just um, recently sold my latest startup, which is was called Swell. It was a fintech startup. Um, it was a nice exit, um, and um, as a result of that, I'm uh, you know the one of the roles that that didn't make the transition to the acquirer was the CEO who who was me. And so uh-huh. as of May 31st, which is <laughs> as we record this, is what a month and a half ago. Um, sure. I'm not in a full-time operating role. Honestly, for the first time in uh, in like 30 years, I'm not really in a full-time operating role. The irony is, Jamie, I've been busier than ever. It's insane. <laughs> is that um, right? Because I've always got a lot of things going on on the side, and I'm, I'm of course, you sure. know, doing a bunch of things. Um, but but it has been kind of great to just for a little bit, you know, not yeah. be in the, like day-to-day. Uh, you know, trench warfare, <laughs> the, the grind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I just listened to another podcast you were just on. I think you referenced the fact that you'll probably never retire. You're not really a retiring type person. Um, but uh, yeah, I, you don't. You, you're a, you're a doer. I mean, you're you're yeah. an active active guy. Well, look, my whole shtick, if you follow me on Twitter at all, is yeah. the concept of retirement becomes at least like what what we traditionally consider retirement to be kind of becomes absurd if you instead focus on just building the life you want now. And so I reached a point, you know, fortunately through a lot of work and luck, I reached a point years ago where um, I, my every day is, I, I do things that I choose to do. Now um, it's never perfect, right? There's always some degree of, of grind, no matter what you do, even if you are, you know, quote unquote retired. Um, but once you designed a life and, and, and implemented a life that um, is, you know, just the way you want to spend your days anyway, then the concept of retirement sort of, sort of starts to become moot. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I just love the whole, I mean, I highly recommend the listener follow you on Twitter. Everything you put out is just well thought out, well artic- articulated. And it's just, it's just so, I don't know, it's, you've got the long-term view, but it's also very practical and, you know, people can take action right away. But as far as just, I just also have to give you, you know, kudos for, you know, people might say, oh, well, he, it's easy to walk away from a million dollar a year plus job or whatever, you know, because yeah. I mean, he he had all this money. Well, it's also really hard to turn down this massive paycheck that's coming in, in two weeks. So, yeah. I mean, I've never been in that position, that exact position. I have quit my W-2 as well, but but I, I, that's that that I think would be very difficult to, to do. So I just, I, I think that's a, just, that whole mindset and and actually taking action on on taking ownership of of your life is really what what you did. I just uh, a lot of respect for media. Yeah, I mean, so. well, well, and there's certainly some truth to the fact that you know once you've accumulated some wealth, you know, it's sure. a little bit easier to make bold moves. Sure. Um, but still, I mean, I think the lessons apply to any age. And I I just posted something on Twitter actually this morning um, saying you know the old saying the world belongs to the bold is just mm-hmm. so incredibly true. Uh, and, and often being bold just means, you know, taking little tiny steps, like asking for something you want or taking a baby step toward a goal. Or sometimes it means making really big moves like I did 
uh, years ago when I sort of rebooted my life. And it's, you know, it's scary. No matter where you sit on the wealth spectrum, it's scary. I mean, I walked away from uh, a sum that was well into the eight figures, just so your listeners kind of get a sense of that. It wow. would have, it's, you know, it, it was, it was not, um, it was a very meaningful chunk of my potential future wealth. Sure. Um, but, you know, uh, ultimately, you know, I'm 52 years old. And back then I was, you know, in my mid forties. And, you know, I truly believe you know, it's, it's, it's um, often said, and it starts to sound like a cliche, but it really is true that time is our most valuable asset. And so the real question is, how are you going to spend your time? Of course, we have to pay the bills, but I think it turns out when people actually go through the exercise of thinking about in an ideal world, how they would spend their time each day, it turns out that most of that stuff doesn't require that you be worth $10 million. Hmm. Um, you, you know, mm -hmm. you can, uh, because ultimately life is about the most meaningful things in life are relationships and experiences. And um, neither of those things tend to cost a lot. Absolutely. I love that perspective. That's awesome. And I, and I also want to quickly mention your, your podcast, Kevin, which is called Compounding, right? Yes. So uh, it's the Compounding Podcast. You can find it. Uh, I think it's compoundingpod.com or on YouTube. And uh, it's, a, it's a labor of love. It, um, I, I'm taking a different direction than most podcasts. Um, one is that I'll only do a podcast when I find a guest that I think is truly exceptional. So as a result of that, I've only done like seven episodes uh, over the past <laughs> year. Um, I also um, fly out to wherever my my guest is. I'll fly out and do it live, just because I think it's a little bit different dynamic live. Sure. So recommend you check it out. It's um, I've got, I've had some fantastic guests. My most recent one was um, maybe my favorite. It was Carissa Moore, who is arguably the uh, you know the she's definitely the best female surfer of all time. Arguably the top surfer in the world, man or woman, right now and just an amazing human being. So a lot of life lessons from that podcast. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you my address so you can fly fly into BWI. No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> Anytime. Uh, <laughs> I'm just joking. But yeah, so let's what we're going to focus on today, Kevin, as we talked about before we hit record is you know, navigating kind of the mental aspects of the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. And I know yeah. you've founded four companies, as you mentioned. I don't know when the the first one was. So let's let's just dive in. What was the first company you started and and what what did that look like? Yeah, the first one, uh, so I've been at it for a long time. So this spans a lot sure. of years. Sure. The first company I started um was a an e-commerce company back in 1999. So those okay. of you that are old enough to remember the original yeah. dot com boom uh or yeah. web 1.0. And yeah. uh it was a classic sort of, you know, venture capital backed soft uh, software startup. And, um, you know, the, uh, just to kind of jump ahead to the punchline, this yeah. was the spectacular failure that I referenced earlier. It was my first startup. I was in my mid twenties and, uh, you know, in some ways looking back on it, it was insane that to, to think about how little I knew, how, how immature I was yet, you know, we were handed, you know, $15 million to go start this company. Wow. And, you know, they always say like, you know, you don't learn, um, uh, you know, uh, many lessons from your successes, uh, but you sure learn from your failures. And, you know, sure. um, so, so, you know, I guess, I guess, um, even though that, you know, without getting into all the, the details, cause we could spend a whole podcast talking about that one company, sure. but, um, but you know, the, uh, one of the lessons I took away from that is, um, is, you know, that mindset is, is everything. And, and, you know, I, when, when that company failed, it was a very tough period for, for me and my co-founder. 
And um, we actually, um, we reacted to that failure very differently. And I think um, it had a big impact. The way we reacted mm. to that failure had a big impact mm. over on the, the next few years for both of us. Mm. So it was an interesting sort of A-B test. I guess I'm fundamentally an optimist. So even in the moment, I chose to view it as um, a lesson and um, a lot of, you know, I called it my MBA on steroids because in a literal <laughs> sense, you know, I, I decided to start that company instead of going to business school. I was, you know, I'd been sure. accepted to several of the top business schools, was excited about that. We ended up starting this company instead. And boy, I think I learned a lot more um, <laughs> by starting that company and ultimately failing than I would have in business school. But I think it's the way you choose to frame things has everything to do with, um, you know, w- with how it impacts the the rest of your life. And sure. so these are, you know, your mindset is super important. No, that's really good. So you, I was going to ask that so for more context, you said mid 20s. So I'm assuming you were, you were out, out of college at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, had, so you hadn't gotten a, had you ever had a, a quote unquote real job? You know, had you started your professional career or was this the very start of it? I had. So um, I came out of college and went into uh, management consulting with one of the big firms. And I realized very quickly that was not for me, even mm-hmm. though I, I did learn a lot. It was, it was kind of cool and felt glamorous at the time mm-hmm. that uh, it, it was very unfulfilling. And I looked at the partners, um, uh, the top guys on the food chain, mm-hmm. and they were unhappy, unhealthy, working harder than anyone. And I, and I guess I'll just take this opportunity to say, you know, one thing that I guess was, I was always wired a little bit differently than my peers in the sense that I never accepted this notion that you have to choose between having a great career and a great life. Um, I don't know where that came from, but I will tell you back in those days, like late nineties, early two thousands, like there was no talk about like work-life balance or lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Like you literally get laughed out of the office. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. That stuff up. But I always was like, no, I, I actually think um, you do better work when you have a happier, healthier life. And sure. so um, that that was one of the things that drove me away early on from consulting and um, and led to me, my, me and a, a, a friend of mine mm-hmm. uh, starting this first business was just that like that corporate life just didn't seem, you know, especially in the consulting world, just didn't seem conducive to the overall life that I wanted to build. Sure. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Um, and then now and I, I understand you, the, the big lesson was how you responded to that adversity. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking back, you know, what could you have done differently? Should you have chosen a different partner? Hopefully he doesn't listen to this, but <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. But, no, it wasn't you know, that. but as, as far as just kind of, you know, maybe for the listener out, out there who's thinking of starting a business or starting their next, yeah. their next project, um, you know, what could you have done differently in setting up that business or operating that business? Yeah. And, and um, before I answer that, I have to just uh, sure. make a caveat that, you know, all of my experience has been in basically venture capital funded tech businesses. So that's okay. a very different ball game than bootstrapping, sure. you know, a small business as an individual. Uh, sure. It's just like the expectations, the pace, everything's different. And so, uh, but I think some of the lessons do translate and and um, you you had mentioned before this that this was a topic you might want to discuss. So I was thinking yeah. about it last night, and I will tell you, Jamie, one thing over my career that I have been um, just um, blown away by, and and come to believe more and more strongly is the role of luck. And, and hmm. you know, um, I mean, clearly we have an influence on the outcomes of the businesses we're involved in, businesses we sure. start. 
But, you know, being in the right place at the right time is everything. And so I've got a great example of that because, you know, I do a lot of uh, real estate investing. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I've done it for, you know, 15 plus years. And I have a lot of friends. So, and I'm just, by the way, I'm a passive investor. I just invest mm -hmm. as, a, as a limited partner. But I've got sure. a lot of friends who started real estate private equity firms um, uh, right after the great financial crisis. So like maybe around 2010, they started a real sure. estate private equity firm. And they just did it because that was the time when it, it made sense to start a company. They had come out of college or whatever. And um, they are, they're smart people, hard workers. But the reality sure. is, from 2010 to 2021 or so, yeah. it was like shooting fish in a barrel. Like you couldn't miss in real estate. Sure. And so what happened was yeah. a lot of these guys who, who might've been successful anyway, what it did was it magnified their success a hundred X. I mean, I know mm -hmm. I've more than one friend who made north of a hundred million dollars in that time period, which is just absurd, but wow. it speaks to just like being without really, you know, even knowing it at the time, being in the exact right place at the exact right time. And so I think sure. these external forces have a huge influence. I often refer to luck as the multiplier. So like, you know, maybe it, it's like not ultimately the number one determinant, deterrent, although I think that's, you could debate that. Um, sure. It certainly determines like the magnitude of the outcome. Sure. And um, and so that that's one lesson. The other lesson is, um, you know, and this is a, a more specific to, to venture-backed startups where you actually have, meaningful capital to go start your business is um, to act like you didn't raise that money, right? Mm -hmm. And so like you have 10 million bucks in the bank, which allows you to do all kinds of cool things. Like you can hire uh, people, you can um, have a cool office space, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, but, but I think what happens in a lot of cases is you kind of get ahead of yourself. And, um, and, and I think in the early days, there's a friend of mine named Will, who's a, um, one of the smartest venture capitalists I know. And he talks a lot about like, when you start a company like that, you should try to do this absolute simplest experiment you can to determine whether the, the market is receptive to whatever it is you're building, whether you have product market fit. Sure. And often what founders tend to do, it's a, it's a, it's a temptation is like, you do a lot of building before you get to market. And, and, you know, ultimately customers and revenue are truth, right? Hmm. And so you need to get yeah. to that truth as soon as humanly possible you know, the minimum viable product uh, product concept is uh -huh. you know, very relevant here. And so that's, you know, and unfortunately, uh, um, it's a weird thing. Like I've actually had to learn that lesson the hard way a couple of times. And a lot of entrepreneurs say the same thing. It's like, it's that temptation when you have money, um, it, it can actually it. become a negative. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. when you have the, the, you know, when you have the resources, um, and, but you haven't proven out your product yet, that can become a conflict. Got it. No, that's that's really good stuff. So you 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 said essentially that you and your co-founder um, kind of re responded, reacted differently to the adversity you went through with that failure. Um, uh, how did that look, and and how did that move you to your next venture? Yeah, and I'll say just to add a little color to that, I think the because this is going to be a good insight, I think, for your listeners about how to think about sure. their career. I think when my partner he took it deeply personal when that company okay. failed and he truly viewed it as just an abject failure. And in some ways, yeah, that's hard to deny, but, sure. but the way that I think the, the better way to look at it and what I advise to everyone is think of your career as a portfolio. If you try a bunch of things in your career, if you're doing bold things, 
you will not bat 1000. Like this is impossible. Um, you will have successes, you will have failures. So think about it over the long course of time. Think of your career as like 30, 40 years and think of it as like, you're going to have some ups, you're going to have some downs, but take what I call a portfolio view. It's like investing, right? If you invest in one stock, uh, that stock may be successful or it may fail. But if you invest in a basket of stocks, you take a portfolio view and some will will win, some will lose, but on the whole, you're going to do fine. And I think um, that's kind of how I, you know, um, I was innately sort of wired that way, I guess, as I viewed it as like, well, we failed here. We learned a lot of lessons. Um, we did the right things, you know, to the best of yeah. our ability. And yeah. so we're just going to move on and do something else now. Yeah, and it sounds over- like there was a lot outside of your control, right? And, but you, you did always, the there's always a lot of, and, and look, you know, I don't mean to say that you, you know, there's plenty of, um, I, I had plenty of, um, made plenty of mistakes, uh, owned plenty of the fault for the failure of the business. But, you know, those are those are the most valuable lessons is when you see something clearly that you could have done differently. You just don't repeat that. And yeah, if you absolutely. stay at it, if you learn, if you learn from your mistakes and you stay at it long enough, you will have some some successes. Now, I also tell people, like, if you've um, you said something before we started recording that mm-hmm. um, I wrote down because I think it's it's so freaking true. <laughs> Look, okay. starting a business isn't for everyone. <laughs> right. Like, absolutely. In fact, I would I would go so far as to say starting a business isn't for. 95% of people, maybe 99% of people, um, because it is a tough road. A lot of heartache lies down that road. It's not as glamorous as it seems from the outside. Um, and you will have to deal, inevitably, you'll probably have to deal with with failure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a big thing for people to to consider is there's nothing at all wrong with having a great career in a nine to five job. Yeah. Um, and and there's, a, there's a way to build a great life around that. It's just that, you know, I, I think the um, Elon Musk had an incredible quote about uh, entrepreneurism and um, he was he was giving a talk to some, I think it was like an MBA class or something. And mm-hmm. one of the students raised his hand and said, you know, how do you, how do you start a business? And Elon's response was, if you have to ask, it's not for you. <laughs> I think start a business, it has to be something you can't right. not do. It has to be just an itch you have to scratch. Sure. Um, otherwise, really and, and it goes back to another saying I like, which is like, it's one of those things that has to be either hell yes or no. If you're sort of like on the fence, the answer is no. Sure. I love that. And I love that all of this just long-term and big picture perspective, not only just the career perspective, but you know, this is one failure, one one project in my long career of of work, but also this is only my career and that fits in my whole life. So if you kind of zoom out at times, you're not always zoomed out, but if you zoom out and see it, this is this is just one little blip, you know. That's right. Um, Mike, yeah. well, and I'm just sorry to interrupt, but I think it's an important point to make, especially for yeah. men who tend to, uh, we tend to allow our work to become our identity. And that's sure. a very dangerous path because, you know, work is, you know, an important, but it's only one part of your life. And uh, they're, they're equally important other, other pieces. So, uh, I think you have to be really deliberate about what you allow your identity to be, to become. I love that. Um, yeah. So, so mentally when you, you know, you, it sounds like you, you kept things in perspective, in, in perspective right away. Um, tell us about your second, how did you transition into your second venture? Or did you go, I, the other thing I wanted to point out, I just came to me was that, you know, you, life can have seasons, right? It's okay to, doesn't mean you you have to be a serial entrepreneur and never have a W2. We've had guests on who were 
an entrepreneur for 20 years and then they became a W2. I mean, that's there's nothing wrong with that either. Yeah. So maybe don't put this this big pressure on yourself as an individual to define at age 22, am I an entrepreneur or I, or am I an employee? You know, the, it's okay to switch things up. Um, Absolutely. I'm a living that? example of that. I mean, I've bounced back and forth between the corporate world and entrepreneurism um, multiple times in my career. So a- that's absolutely true. So tell us about the second second startup. How did that go? Well, in the in the wake of um, that first startup, you know, and this is another sort of piece of advice I'd give. Like um, when I think when you tr- when you try something entrepreneurial and it doesn't work. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a good idea to jump right back into the fray. I think there's a recovery period. Mm. And so I often recommend, like, um, I always say, I've told many people this, like, in the wake of like a um, an entrepreneurial venture that didn't work out as you hoped, um, attach sure. yourself to a rocket ship. In other words, like, um, attach yourself to a company that's already got momentum, because mm. you need to relearn what it feels like to have mm. momentum, to get some wins under your belt. And that's really good. so that... Without without really being intentional about it, I ended up doing that multiple times in my career, and eventually I observed in hindsight, it's like, oh wow, that's an it's an incredible way because the the intensity is different, and just the um you know the level of stress is is different when when you're a W two when you're working for sure. somebody else. And that doesn't mean you're like you can't work hard, you're not working hard, you're doing great work, all that stuff. It's just it's just different than. When yeah. an entire company is on your shoulders, on your shoulder. absolutely, and, yep. and it's a you know it's just a knife fight day to day. So I you know throughout my career I've flip flopped back and forth, and um, you know some of the other startups companies I've started I did take more of a a little bit more of a bootstrap approach. Mm-hmm. Um, like we we I mean, in each case we did raise money, but smaller mm-hmm. amounts. We really aimed at building companies that could get profitable very quickly. Sure. So I started like an an ad tech firm that um, we ultimately sold. And, uh, and then, you know, I, I got lucky and was able to be, you know, essentially one of the founders of a, um, an online lending company that okay. we grew from, from zero to 600 million or so in revenue. So an incredible success wow. story. Wow. The company ultimately went public, then went back private. Um, but um, that, that's really, you know, probably my, you know, that, that was about a 10 year run. Sure. And that was probably my my most successful entrepreneurial venture um, was you know growing a business from essentially nothing to becoming a pretty big, uh, yeah. successful, profitable awesome. company. Um, yeah. And then about, and then after sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say so for the listener who maybe has a W two and they're thinking about starting a side hustle. And I understand venture capital is different than than a than a bootstrap company, but we're, we're I guess what would you say to the to the listener out there who you know, should I start a, a side hustle? Should I just jump and go all? And I guess it gets to the Elon Musk yeah. answer as well. But, but um, looking back when you were, because yeah. I mean, you're you're a great person to ask this to, is because you switched back and forth so many times. Should you do a side hustle? Should you do both at the same time? Should I just pick one or the other? How what do you, how would you frame that yeah. answer? So, um, I wrote something about this pretty recently. There's a um, hugely mistaken notion out there that you have to sort of bet it all to start mm-hmm. a business. Mm-hmm. And I that is absolutely not true. If you look at the smartest, most successful people, mm-hmm. um, they um, they take they make what I call asymmetric bets, meaning mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Um, they're actually taking uh, surprisingly little risk mm-hmm. uh, in whatever they do, but their upside is unlimited. 
And, you know, what are the ways that you mitigate that risk, right? So, so the classic story, right, is like, I left my W-2, I invested all my savings in this thing, I ran up all my credit cards to their limit. And sure. the problem is, that makes for a great story when the outcome is success. But the problem is, nine out of 10, the outcome is not success, and it's disastrous. Yeah. And it can take years, if not decades, or rest of your life to recover from that. So I think one thing I would urge anybody who's, you know, contemplating starting a new business is to make the opportunity as asymmetric as possible. How do you make, you know, how do you contain the risk while not mm -hmm. impacting your upside? Well, one is that's, that's why entrepreneurs raise money, right? And so that's, you know, one of the big reasons I've chosen to raise money for all of my ventures. You can mm -hmm. share the risk with others who are willing to, they understand the risk and they're willing to share it with you because they sure. see um, the upside as well. The other is, is simple things like, you know, when you start a business, make sure that you've got um, your personal finances are in order so that, you know, you're not having so that the, uh, even if it fails, it's not disastrous. You know, it could be as simple as having a year in in uh, in, in savings or, or whatever yeah. um, or choose your opportunity based on, you know, you don't have to pull a rabbit out of a hat to make it work. You know, choose a, a business that um, is already proven where you don't have to do anything necessarily super novel. Uh, to make it work. And sure. so that, you know, I would, I think that's the number one lens I would look at it through. I would encourage people to look at it through is, is this an asymmetric opportunity? Sure. And those are really good ways to mitigate that risk that you just listed there. That's, that's awesome. Um, this, okay. So the, sounds like the third of your four ventures was, was the the home run, right? Yeah. And yeah. And I, you know, yeah. um, I guess, you know, I've, I've sold a few, but yeah, that the, you know, in terms of like starting a company and having it go really big, that was definitely the biggest success story. That's awesome. And and just for a little bit more context with relation to your own life and family and everything like that, when when was this in in your life? Uh, so this was when this company when I when I joined this company, uh, it was in uh, two thousand and five. And the reason I know that is because. We, uh, in that, and this is a great example of like, um, taking bold steps, you know, the world belongs to the bold. Mm -hmm. Um, when I joined that company, it was, it required a relocation. Um, okay. we had just had our first baby. Our, our first child was three months okay. old and I was taking a big new job and stepping into the unknown, you know, to, to help, you know, kind of build sure. this company. And so the, we did, you know, I called it the big three. And, uh, so that was kind of the life situation at the time. Sure. And so, yeah. you know, we were, we were all in and, you know, that was definitely a period of my life. Like, look, when you're, when your kids are young, when you're trying to make yeah. something happen in your career, there's no avoiding the fact that you have to be heads down and just grind for a while. Absolutely. And, you know, people, uh, one, one mistake a lot of people make on Twitter is they see my life today, which, you know, <laughs> I, I will say I have a kick-ass life for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But what they're seeing is the end product. They're not seeing the process and the work it took to get there. You know, the yeah. literally decades of work it took to get there. Yeah. So you mentioned this idea of seasons of life, and I'm a big advocate yeah. of that. It's like embrace each season for what it is. And, you know, when you're, look, when your kids are young and you're trying to make something happen in your career, that, that season is just, it's a season where you're, you're working hard, like, like you're grinding. It can be tough. Um, sure. Absolutely. And then, you know, but recognize that it, it is a season and, and it, it, and it not only should come to an end, but it, it has to come to an end if you want to have a great life. Absolutely. Yeah. I can. I always like to say like, at the end of the day, hard work is undefeated. 
And so like, there's, you know, we, a lot of talk these days about lifestyle and balance and blah, blah, blah. But the reality is um, getting ahead takes really hard work. Um, now you can put that in the context. Like, again, if you take that portfolio view, that's just a season of life. Yeah. Uh, and you're, and, and you're building towards something that is, you know, that is different and better down the road. Well, how do you navigate? Cause you, you've obviously done a great job of, of looking at the big picture, looking at the long-term, taking a long-term portfolio view of your life, not just your career, but, but, but then, but it seems like you're always living in the moment as well. Right. And, and so how do you personally navigate that? Those two, you, know, yeah. you once a week, look at the big picture and then the rest of the time live in the moment or how do you navigate that? <laughs> no, I'll tell you, um, the, uh, the, and this is my opportunity to start plugging rock climbing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, um, was introduced to, to rock climbing by a friend of mine in 20, uh, under oh, no, 2000, sorry. So it was like right in the wake of that first startup when we failed, yeah. um, yeah. serendipitously got introduced to rock climbing. I fell in love with it immediately. What I'll say is rock climbing, you know, and, and there's multiple, there's other hobbies that are like this. It, um, it spoke to me beyond just being a form of exercise. Um, I thought it was an incredible blend of like physical challenge and mental challenge. It takes you to amazing places, but most of all, the community was amazing because in that community, it's a community where no one cares what your title is. No one cares how much money you make. And I'll, the reason I bring this up as an answer to your question is mm -hmm. it really changed my life in a very profound way because I realized, oh, um, here's something else that I can build an identity in that that um, at the end of the day, if um, if my business fails, I can still go rock climbing. And that's, and um, that's an excellent point. Yeah. Yes. I so I, I preach a lot about this and I call it being multidimensional. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by multidimensional is there are multiple facets to your life where your identity resides. And again, men, much more than women, women are better yeah. at this, but men tend to tie their identity, like 90% of it is tied to their work. And I'll tell right. you, even if you're wildly successful, that becomes mm -hmm. a problem. I have one friend in particular who has, he's one of the guys I mentioned who's made like a nine figure sum of money. And um, he's in the challenge, his challenge is like, what's next? My, mm -hmm. my entire identity is my work. I'm sure. no longer fa finding that as fulfilling as it used is, as I used to. Yeah. And it, it's a real problem. I'll tell you. Yeah. And so uh, I'm a huge believer in intentionally building a multidimensional life where your identity is sort of spread across multiple things. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I had, a, we had a, a guest on uh, Josh Kalinowski just came to mind. He was a professional baseball player. He, he got uh, actually in Colorado and, um, you know, got injured and he was a pitcher was doing really well got injured career ending injury his entire world was was rocked and and I, I actually could relate to that on some level as well i played lacrosse in college and was pretty good and you know whatever you know this is the glory days we're we're talking about right but yeah. at the end your season's over your career's over now what you know and and yeah i, I can definitely relate to well, that's an easy uh, thing for me to to uh, relate to for sure. <laughs> I'll tell you a, a, a story related to what you just said. So one of my best friends is a former NFL player, had a wildly successful career. I mean, you know, was, you know, uh, at the, you know, in his position was one of the top guys made an obscene amount of money. When he retired, um, he found himself to be profoundly bored and it was a huge mm -hmm. problem. And it sounds like, you know, to, to someone who hasn't been in that position, it's like, mm -hmm. come on, give me a break. You know, you're, right. you're wealthy, you're retired at an early age, you have complete yeah. control of your time. 
and your biggest problem is your board, but it actually is a real, a real problem. Like, you know, yeah. I always say that um, all of us, no matter how wealthy or p- poor we are, we have to fill 16 hour, 16 waking hours a day with meaning. And if you don't, you're right. miserable, no matter how much money you have. Yeah. And so um, I think that's a profound insight because even if you don't have millions of dollars in the bank, you can fill those 16 hours with a lot of meaning uh, in some ways, just as much meaning as a billionaire can have. Yeah, that's really good. No, and I love the the uh, back to the rock climbing thing. Just the the community aspect has been such a central theme on our show. Um, you know, it, whether you're going through adversity or abundance, it, it's really it's all about other people and relation. You you said relationships and experiences. Um, I found that to be a common theme with all of our guests who have overcome adversity or gotten to abundance. Now everyone's story is different, but in some way they're always plugged into, you know, part of their success story is the fact that they were plugged into a community or they were focused on others. They were serving yeah. others. It wasn't all about Kevin Dahlstrom, right. you know, wasn't all about Jamie Bateman, it, you know, cause at the end of the day, that's just, that's not fulfilling. So yeah. I love the the community aspect as well. well and and it's, I, I love, you know, I remember when we did the first recording of your podcast, yeah. uh, I was, you know, what hooked me into doing it was really just mm-hmm. the title of it, Adversity to Abundance, because mm-hmm. I think that's that's a great subject matter to explore. And w- what I've learned over the years, and this sounds really hokey to say, people will roll their eyes, but it really is true, that it's actually just a choice. Like we think of adversity to abundance as circumstances. Mm-hmm. It's actually just a choice that you make. And you either you either view your life as one of abundance or you view it as one of adversity, and that will dictate your future. I love that. That's fantastic. So, so it sounds like, uh, so swell was your most recent, uh, venture. And can you talk about how that went and how the exit went for you? Yeah. So we, um, swell was a, uh, a fintech startup that we actually spun out of a larger company. We spun it out of a public bank. Um, and the idea was to reinvent consumer banking. And, um, it was a, you know, we were specifically starting with the credit card problem. Credit cards are, arguably the consumer finance problem of our time. You know, we're, we just, we're right at a trillion dollars in credit card debt in the U.S. The average rate is nor- APR is north of 20%. Um, it's a huge financial Crazy. burden for Americans and we're not making progress on it. So we're, we went after that space and, um, you know, the, the, it was interesting because we started the company uh, officially in uh, around February of 2022. And, you know, fintech, our space was the hottest space in, in venture capital. The market was still roaring. Um, and, uh, you know, everything was, was roses. And mm-hmm. then talk about adversity. Um, yeah. you know, later in 2022, we all know what happened, right? The market turned in particular venture capital shut down, essentially still is essentially shut down. Um, sure. my space fintech went from being the darling of venture capital to a bad mm-hmm. word. Uh, and then on top of right. it, for us, we were a banking startup. You know, the banking crisis happened and that That's directly right. effect, affected us. So it really changed our trajectory. Um, you know, you talk about the role of luck and, and you sure. know, right place at the right time. It felt like the world turned around on us. Uh, and the good news is we were able to find a soft landing or a nice exit for Swell. Mm-hmm. Well, it certainly wasn't, um, you know, we set out to build a billion dollar company. It wasn't that, but it was a great outcome, um, all things considered. And so, you know, I take a lot of pride in this one, actually, maybe more than my, my bigger successes, mm-hmm. because, you know, like when, when everything's going great, anybody can, can find a nice exit. <laughs> but sure. when things are tough, can you find an exit? And what you're seeing right now is 
most of my peers and and you know most startups, frankly, are dropping like flies. In fact, I, I'm a I'm a, I'm personally an investor in about 50 startups. I've been an angel investor for a long time. Uh, I just got a letter yesterday from a CEO of one of the most promising companies I invested in. It was a robotics company for the home. Really cool okay. products, incredible. T- their team came from Apple and Tesla. Hmm. Uh, they had raised a truckload of money, like had everything going for it. They they were unable to raise another round and they had to fold operations. Wow. And so um, it's happening left and right. So sure. yeah. the, the lesson for me from Swell was um, like around, you know, w- when things don't go well, how do you navigate that? And, sure. you know, I would say like, it's, it's as a CEO, you know, like, it's, it's, you know, especially of a venture back startup, it's like reducing your burn rate. It's like trying to position yourself and pivot a little bit so that you have, you know, uh, so that your, your aperture of opportunity doesn't completely close on you. And so that's actually a much harder thing to navigate than when you're having, you're getting real, like strong traction with customers. Yeah, no, that's, there's a ton of truth there. And it, you know, there's not going to be the clickbait for 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 this story that we you you wanted or I wanted, you know, whatever. Yeah. But but it's there's so much truth to what you just said. Um, it could have been so much worse for sure. Um, so okay, now I'm sure you're working on some things. What's the what's the? Uh, I've, I've got some other questions here. Don't worry. But what's the future look like for for you right now? Yeah, you know, I was joking earlier that um, you know, I guess technically. I'm fun employed, which is great. I mean, for the first time in my life, um, you know, but, but the irony is like the pace has not slowed down at all. Like in the, you know, we, we, uh, the swell transaction closed at the end of May. And so I guess it's been, you know, it's, what is it? July 19th today. So it's been nearly two months and I haven't really been able to slow down and smell the roses yet. Some of that is just because that's how I roll. Like I'm kind of wired that way, but even, even, you know, for, for a long time, I've had a lot of things going on outside of my day-to-day job. You know, I'm, I'm, I mentioned I do a lot of real estate investing. I also do yeah. quite a bit uh, of, you know, private equity, angel and other types of private equity uh, yeah. investing. And I do, um, like, I do a lot of like advisory work for some other companies. And actually, mm-hmm. as, of, as of yesterday, I just agreed. Uh, I can't talk a lot about the details, but mm-hmm. um, talk about attaching yourself to a rocket ship. I've um, through mutual friends, met a founder who's got a company um, that in the past five years has gone from zero to they'll they'll do almost 200 million in revenue this year. It's unbelievable, just a rocket ship. And um, and um, they're having all the struggles that you expect to have when you go from nothing to becoming all of a sudden like a really successful company. Sure. And so I'm going to advise this company. It's going to be a blast, actually. Just that's awesome, an incredible team. Uh, and and that's a great example of like you know me. You know, in the wake of, you know, uh, a, a startup, which, you know, swell, which is, you know, yeah. it's, it's balls to the wall 24 yeah. seven. Um, now to be able to be in more of an, of an advisory role where someone else is really carrying the burden of day-to-day yeah. leadership being the CEO, yeah. but I can just help out in, you know, with, with the things that I know and the things that I can do well. Um, it's a great kind of, re- you know, yeah recovery period or just a way to to kind of shift gears a bit for a while. Yeah, you can still make a big impact but maybe not do all the the heavy lifting and uh you know the, Yeah, uh, yeah. And again, now back to this idea of being asymmetric, you know, for me it's a um it's an incredibly asymmetric. You know, I get paid to do this stuff and there's mm-hmm. a lot of upside in, you know, attaching myself to a company that's having wild success like this. Yeah, but you you alluded to the fact that this company obviously 
still has challenges. And that's one of the things I think people on the outside of entrepreneurship, entrepreneur, entrepreneurialism, like don't understand is that yeah. it doesn't matter the size of the company. There's always a problem, lots and lots of problems and challenges within a- any company. So, um, well, that's the thing people need to understand about being a CEO of a company of any size, because I've been in multi-billion dollar companies and I've been in ground floor startups. The CEO job, all it is, is a never ending series of problems. Like there is no glamour to being yeah. a CEO. Yeah, you get these occasional fleeting moments of success, but sure. but 95% of the day-to-day job of being a CEO is just uh, fighting fires. Uh, Absolutely. So, so Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really good. Um, um, there was a I, I don't have it in front of me, but there was a, a quote from uh, Brent Bishore about uh, the chaos within every every organization. It's a fantastic quote. Yeah. Um, all right, you ready for some rapid fire questions? Yeah, you bet, Brent. All right, Bring let's uh, let's do it. What's one thing that people misunderstand about you, Kevin? Wow, going deep right off the bat. Um, <laughs> I think um, I would say that uh, I'm a I'm a very high energy guy, and um, I believe in this this concept of strong opinions loosely held. And a lot of times, people perceive the strong opinions as being sort of overly forceful, or I'm not open to other ideas. But but the secret of people who are wired like I am, a lot of times um, I'm an Enneagram eight. For people who know the Enneagram system, we, we share this this trait, which is we love to be challenged, you know, yeah. the, the, and often if yeah. in a business environment, when you see someone who has really strong opinions, um, the, 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 it's counterintuitive, but those are often the people who most enjoy being challenged because that's mm-hmm. how we, people like that, that's how yeah. we shape our thinking. Yeah. So when I come in and I've got like, I'm passionately laying out an idea that doesn't sure. mean I'm certain about the idea, even though it may seem that way. It means I'm trying, I'm throwing it out there and I want you to help me shape it by poking holes in it, offering different points of view and so on. Absolutely. Love it. I I actually just had uh, Nick Huber on the show and he he has something on his mirror. He said that tells him I need to change my mind every day. (laughs) He's a, he's a, he's actually an incredible example of that because he actually um, purposely throws out things he doesn't even necessarily believe in. Now I don't take it to that extreme. Like I generally do believe in what I'm saying. Right. But it is an absolutely a way to, and, and Nick's a great example of someone who gets a lot of criticism for some of the stuff he posts, but he's sure. one of the, one of the people I know who is most open to new ideas and to change. Got it. That's awesome. Um, if you could have coffee with, with any historical figure, who would it be? Ooh. Doesn't have a- to be your favorite. It could be one of, you know, 10 people who you would like to have coffee with. Yeah. Trying to think. These are these are deep questions, uh, Jamie. And I want. I, 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 and by the way, whenever I do these, I like to give like my, the real answer. Like, so I, I often take yeah. a moment to think about it. Um, you know, the, the name that popped into my mind immediately isn't really a historical figure, but like I'm thinking of like today, who would I have coffee sure. with? It'd probably be Elon Musk. I mean, I'm an unabashed Elon yeah. fanboy. I think we need a thousand more Elons in this world who are just like thinking like. I think one thing that's been lost over the past, like let's call it 50 years, is just like, um, it's like almost like our imagination has been lost. Like mm. a lot of the smartest minds these days aren't working on moonshot uh, things. Mm-hmm. And this world needs more moonshot um, mm. ideas and, and, and across all industries. And Elon is you know arguably like one of 
three people in the world who, you know, is only interested in, in moonshots. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, I, that would probably be the person I would, I would choose. Yeah. I, and I agree. And it's so easy to, for people to criticize, you know, some of the shortcomings he's had, but it's, you know, but they're, you know, they're doing that from their, their couch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, <laughs> I mean, you're criticizing arguably the, the greatest entrepreneur of all time, yeah. certainly of our era, but maybe of all time. Sure. If you were given $10 million tomorrow, Kevin, I'm not saying you don't have $10 million, but if you were given a, a $10 million tomorrow, what would you do with it? Yeah. I have a funny story related to exactly this. Uh, and it's, you know, I have to caveat it all by saying, look, I've, I've been at it for a long time. I've been fortunate to have a lot of financial success. Uh, and I don't take that for granted. Don't take it lightly. Um, but, but, you know, my marriage is a, a very traditional marriage where mm -hmm. um, I have certain duties. My wife has certain duties and they're kind of mm -hmm. the traditional, you know, husband, wife, father, mother mm -hmm. roles. And um, so my wife really doesn't um, get very involved in my business stuff, frankly, isn't even that interested, which I kind of li like that about her. Like, I don't, last <laughs> sure. thing I want to talk about at the end of the day is more business stuff sometimes. Sure. So anyway, um, we're sitting in bed one night. This was actually not that long ago, like less than a year ago. And she said, um, she asked me that question. She said, man, hmm. what would you do if you had X million dollars? And she didn't know, but I was in my head. I was like, you have like well, a lot do. more than that. <laughs> and that's, and that's uh, hilarious. And, and the reality is um, I wouldn't change a thing because I mentioned earlier, like I'm already living exactly the yeah. life I want to live. Sure. Um, and and, and um, I realized, and this is like the, almost like the secret to life in some ways is like, hmm. if you really are deliberate about thinking through, I call it your ideal end state life, like literally bullet out. Like, what is that? What does your day look like if you've got, mm -hmm. if money wasn't a limitation or if you could have any things in you? Yeah. What you realize when you really do that soul searching is like a lot of the things on your list don't take a lot of money. And I'll give you a, a, a great example. Um, for me, like, you know, it involves a lot of rock climbing and which costs yeah. nothing and spending time with family and friends and, you know, traveling a little bit, which doesn't have to be super expensive either. And then doing work that's challenging and fulfilling. I'm not trying to escape work. I, I want right. to do work that, is, that actually challenges where, where there's struggle, there's uncertainty. Um, and so, um, you know, the short answer, the roundabout yeah. way of answering, like, I would live the life I have today. Yeah. And, and that's because you've been intentional about doing that exercise of, of what do you want your life to look like? Right. And, and, but got a late start on that. I mean, I, I did allow myself, as I described earlier, to be pulled down that path of, you know, mm -hmm. the, the standard path. And, sure. um, you know, I rebooted in my mid forties and a part of the, the mission of my Twitter account is to help people have this awakening earlier in life. So they don't have to be 45 when they pull the plug on everything. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. How about a book or two that you could recommend for my listener? Oh man. Um, I, uh, one of my friends, Chris Powers, posted something on Twitter the other day. He said, um, I, I finish maybe one out of 10 books that I start. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the same for me as I download a lot of books. Um, I've actually been um, reading, I have to look, look, I'd have to look up the title of yeah. it because I can't remember, but I've been reading a lot lately just in, in terms of genres or subjects, um, just about like the role of man and woman feminine mm. and masculine because interesting you know that's obviously a topical thing these days sure and is. you know <laughs> yeah what is masculine energy what is feminine energy and i think some of the debate we're having and some of the you know I, in my view some misguided notions out there are huge are becoming huge societal problems that they i, I couldn't agree more it's... as you know i say i often say like everything's connected 
Like you, you can't separate, like, you know, even as an individual, like who you are in your personal life is the same as you are in your work life and yeah. your health is connected to that and your, your political beliefs, so everything's connected. And, um, and, and, you know, and, and, and not only is connected, but impacts everything else. So I think we're seeing a lot of that in society where just like, in some ways, society is becoming more and more sick because sure. of just some, some things that we are, you know, asked to believe that simply aren't true. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And I love that you just have a very, you know, kind of refreshing, I, I guess, uh, approach to the, these types of topics, because I think what a lot of people think is that people that may hold more traditional views are super judgmental and they think they're better than everyone. And, you know, I don't, I don't see it that way at all. I mean, what, you know, so, um, I, 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 you're actually being bold and even, even stating that perspective on some level. Yeah. So, well, and thank you. Thank you for the compliment. And I do like to think of myself as first and foremost, I'm a truth seeker. Like mm. I am back to the strong ideas loosely held. I may yeah. have strong opinions, but the moment I realize I'm wrong or outdated yeah. or whatever, yeah. I will change them. Sure. But at the same time, like, uh, you know, I've been at, I've been around for a while. I'm not wrong all that often. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, a lot of my approach to life is really just like intuition and common sense about what works and what doesn't. Sure. And yeah, there's a lot of just absurdity in the world today uh, at, on both ends of the spectrum, by the way, I'm not pointing fingers Absolutely. at like the left or the right or whatever. Yeah. It's yeah. just like a lot of absurdity out there when, and I, I also have this fundamental belief that most people are not at the extremes. Most people mm -hmm are good human beings who yeah. want to help their fellow man and want to get along. And, sure. but we've lost sight of that. Social media magnifies the extremes. And I just sure. think we need to, we need a return to more moderate thinking. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. So speaking of Twitter, before we uh, wrap up here, Kevin, what's uh what are some of the more viral tweets that you've had or, you know, what are the topics that seem yeah. to really energize? Uh, yeah. Well, first of all, we, a lot of us who are on Twitter, we joke that like there's a, there'll be a tweet or a thread that you put hours of work into, you yeah. put it out into the world and it gets no engagement. And then yeah. you're sitting on the toilet and you have some brain fart. <laughs> you put it out there and it goes super viral. A great example for me is um, the other day I posted a picture. We bought this like pellet ice maker for our home because yeah. my kids, have insisted yeah. they have to have pellet ice in their uh in I their saw, I saw this. I commented yeah. on this one too. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 that that's probably my most viral post ever. <laughs> but but look, I, the, the truth is um my policy on Twitter, which is is definitely different than most people, um, I am not on Twitter to necessarily grow following all that. Certainly I love it. It's very it's like an ego boost. Sure. Um but from day one when I started writing on Twitter. Um, I enjoy writing. I think it's the best way to sharpen thinking. And so it's almost like my personal journal. So I write first and foremost for myself. Mm -hmm. And if others like it, of course, I love that. Um, but um, but I've, I've stuck to that. Even as I've grown my following, my only litmus test for what I post is, am I proud of it? Uh, mm -hmm. And if I'm proud of it, then I'm happy no matter how much engagement it gets. And it turns out that you know some of the things I've written have resonated with other people. So that's great. Definitely. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I highly recommend people follow you on Twitter. It's, it's really, it's a gold mine for sure. So, Thanks. um, what else, Kevin, what have we not covered that you want to touch on? Man, we covered a lot of ground. Again, Jamie, I like the, I like what you dig into in this podcast. I think it's like this idea of adversity to abundance is a universal problem. We all think about, 
Yeah. And um, I, I guess I would leave your listeners with something, just reiterating something I said earlier, which is the when you get to be old, old like me, you've had successes, you've had failures, uh, you've done a lot of things. You realize that um, how um, your choices and your beliefs are so self-fulfilling. So, you know, abundance is absolutely a choice. It's a mindset that becomes self-fulfilling. It, it can change your circumstances immediately, but it will also impact your circumstances in the future. Hmm. That's so good. That's great. Um, you on Twitter, you are at camp four. Um, yes. Is that where you direct everyone or, or is there any? That's right. Else? Yeah. Um, so interestingly, you know, you uh, back to kind of you asked like what's next for you. Yeah. Um, so so my, my Twitter handle is at camp the number four. Where that came from is that's the historic climbers campground at Yosemite National Park, which I think is the most beautiful okay. place on earth. Um, and and, and I'm, I am actually um, thinking about I've got a bunch of ideas in the hopper for sort of leveraging the the personal brand, if you, I hate that word, but like the personal brand that I've built with sure. Camp 4, leveraging yeah. it into other things. I'm running a really cool experiment that I can't talk about yet, but we should regroup. Okay. And okay. Uh, the, the, the yeah. experiment is happening September 6th and 7th. So we should regroup okay. after that and okay. I'll talk about it. It's a super cool thing I'm doing to nice. kind of leverage the, the following and the brand I've built on Twitter. Yeah. And I, um, that's one of about two or three things that I'm experimenting with that really is like just about like aligning my my work with my personal mission. Well, I'm not, I'm not surprised you got a few projects in the hopper. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Kevin, this has been fan. I, I truly mean this has been fantastic. I mean, yeah. I'm. This is. I don't listen to every episode of my own podcast. I'll be honest. Um, you know, maybe with seven episodes, you might listen to everyone. <laughs> I do, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't listen to everyone, uh, but I'm definitely going to listen to this one for sure. So. Awesome. Um, thanks a lot, Kevin. This has been fantastic. Really you appreciate bet. you spending the time. And to the listener out there, thank you for spending your most valuable resource, like Kevin said, uh, spending your time with us. We appreciate that. And make sure you check out our podcast website, which is adversity to the number two abundance.com. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Investors. Have you ever experienced challenging communication or the headache of tracking taxes and insurance? Meet BiFi, a loan servicing company founded by investors for investors. With an expert team and best-in-class vendors, BiFi will partner with you to service your loan from start to exit. Visit BiFiLS.com to see how you can get started today. That's B-I-F-I-L-S.com. Thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us, your time. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and fellow podcast listeners. One entrepreneur at a time, we can change the world. See you next time. Hey there, it's Jamie Bateman. Ever felt boxed in by life's challenges? Dive into my new book, From Adversity to Abundance, Inspiring Stories of Mental, Physical, and Financial Transformation, available now on Amazon. From a former bank robber's redemption to a young entrepreneur's victory over hurdles, these stories are not just inspiration. They're the roadmaps to your transformation. Whether for you or as a powerful gift to friends and family, especially those who might not tune into podcasts, this book is a beacon to a life of abundance. Ignite that inner fire and set your course to the life you've imagined. 
Purchase yours today on Amazon and light the path for someone you love.